Welcome to the Reliance Community Podcast. Worship with us on Sunday mornings at 9 o'clock or 10.45 a.m. We hope you're encouraged by today's message. It is good to have you guys with us today. If you're a visitor, it's good to have you. We call ourselves a family. So when, you're, when you come through these doors, you're part of our family today, whether you have another church home or whether you're just checking us out for the first time. So we hope that you guys feel plugged into the family. We are actually on Galatians. We are on a series in the book of Galatians. We're just kind of going section by section by section. So if you guys have your Bibles, go ahead and open it up into Galatians chapter 1. We're going to be starting with verse 10 here in just a few moments because verse 10 focuses on something that um, God's really been convicting on my heart, and that is people-pleasing. How many people-pleasers out there? Right now, you're fighting it. You want to raise your hand to please me, but you're like, I don't want to raise, you know, there's turmoil going on right now. Uh, But we're going to talk about people-pleasing, and then we're going to talk about how we break that through the transformed life. And so, um, as Matt said earlier, I'm not 100%, obviously, I'm on crutches. Some of you guys think that looks normal, probably, uh, but it's not. And I want you to know that I was out doing the Lord's work, all right? That's how this happened. I was out doing the Lord's work. I was on the mission field, a.k.a. softball field, all right? And uh, church league softball is real, you guys. I'm just saying. Church league softball, the struggle is real. But uh, I was out there, and I'm going to kind of tell you how I saw the story play out. Is that all right? Can I, I, it is all right because I'm the one preaching today. So um, I'm going to tell you how I saw the story. So it was the last inning, all right. We, 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 were, we were ahead one run. There were two outs. I was out in the outfield. Guy hits the ball. It's getting ready to go over the fence. I dive over the fence. I catch the ball, and I tore my calf off my tendon, all right? Then I woke up, all right, and uh, then I woke up, and, and that's not really how it played out at all. How it played out was I took a step in the outfield, and I face-planted straight down, all right? And uh, it, it, I really, I tore the calf off the tendon, but I didn't get a dive. I really actually didn't even know what happened. I heard this really loud pop, felt something roll up the back of my leg, and I tried to stop myself, and I seriously did face-plant. Looked around and thought, did anybody see that? Because I don't know what just happened, and I'm not going down like this, Amen. So I'm going to pretend like I died for the ball, and I couldn't get up. So um, that's how it felt to me in that moment, though, is like, what in the world just happened to me? And uh, I've got to be honest with you, I started to kind of hobble off the field, and I'm like, man, I can't, I can't walk. And all the guys, we've got a great team, they were coming around, and they were like, here, we'll help you. And one of the guys was like, Aaron, Aaron, get on my back, I'll give you a piggyback ride. And I thought, I don't care if every bone is broken in my body. There is not a man on this field going to ask me to get on his back and carry me off. I've got, I'm working on some pride issues. I just want you to know that. So hobbled off the field, and I was over there, and the whole time, man, I'm sitting there going, Lord, 2 Corinthians 5, you promised us new bodies in heaven. Amen? <laughs> because literally, I want you to know, I want that new body because this is a well-used body, all right? And I want God to know I did my part. Well done, thy good and faithful servant. Amen? Man, I, every year, all right, every year when it comes to softball or whatever it is I feel like we do as the church, my wife, it's, I want, the worst part of this thing was not my leg. I want you to know that. My wife, I asked permission to play softball this year, all right? Smart guys ask for permission. You remember that, baby. And uh, I asked and I said, can I go and, and play softball tonight? She said, yes, but she said one condition, do not get hurt, all right? 
She gives me conditions. Do not get hurt. And so when I hobbled over, my boys were with me at the game. When I hobbled over to the side, it was the last game of the night. It was at 9.30, 10 o'clock when it happened. And I remember sitting there not going, oh, my leg hurts, my leg hurts. I was going, my wife is going to kill me. My wife is going to kill me. And so we're sitting on the bench, and I had an ice pack on it. And I said, all right, boys, get me to the car. And so they got, us to the, got me to the car. And the, the whole way home, I'm giving them the talk, all right? And here's how the talk went. I said, boys, do not tell your mom what happened. And they're like, dad, you can't even walk. I said, just get me in the house. Don't tell her what happened. I'll get into bed. And then in the morning, I'll wake up and be like, man, I must have slept wrong and blew my calf. I... <laughs> Literally, this was going through my mind. You think I'm lying to you, but I'm like, how can I be like, I slept wrong and turned and blew my calf in bed. Like, I... I'm trying to like, this is how my mind is reasoning at that moment. And so I'm telling my boys, and so we pull into the garage, and, and uh, they help me into the kitchen. They're like, Dad, Dad. It was like 10 o'clock. Now the lights are still. I don't know if Mom's asleep. And I'm like, okay, you're being super loud right now. <laughs> right? And so, and so I'm like, okay. Then we just kind of hung out in the kitchen for a minute. And I said, just help me down the hallway. I saw her going to the bedroom. Assumed that she'd kind of gotten in bed, and the lights were off. So what do the boys do? They go, and they turn on every light in their house. Right? And then we get in the bedroom like, nothing to see here, mom. Nothing to see here. <laughs> like, you, you guys ratted me out. And uh, I'm like, that's not the spiel that I gave you. I said, keep it on the down low. And so I sit there and I explain to her. I'm like, she's like, what did you do? Did you dive? You know, did you whatever? I go, I just stepped, baby. I just stepped. That's all. And I got to be honest with you. In that moment, I wasn't concerned about my leg. I wasn't worried about my leg. I was more concerned on what my wife thought in that moment. I cared more about her thoughts and her reactions for a good reason, because we're partners in life, and this affects both of us, amen? And so as I thought about those things, it got me thinking about the message today as I'd been preparing for the sermon. That is, we spend way too much sometimes. I know that I spend way too much of my life trying to think about what other people think of me, trying to please others, trying to appease others, and, and honestly, I care way too much about what people think of me. And so today, when we talk about this part in Galatians in verse 110 here in just a moment, you're going to see that something that Paul gets accused of being, and that's a people pleaser, and how he comes against that, and why I believe, and just in my heart, why I believe that all of us in here, to some degree, deal with the issue of worrying about what people think about us. So real quickly though, I want to just recap what we talked about last week. If you missed Galatians 1 through 9, I just want to recap. If you pull that uh, slide up for me, David Pawson had a really cool slide on this and I tried to emulate this, but it's um, basically he kind of gives three things that Galatians talks about. It talks about freedom, liberty in Christ, freedom, talks about legalism, and then license. License meaning that you do whatever you want to do. I have a license to do whatever I want. The grace of God gives me a license to do whatever I want. And so he kind of begins to work through this, that legalism and license are both enemies of freedom. And by the way, it drives me crazy when I can't walk around the stage. And you know, I talk with my hands a lot. So I find myself, I'm, I'm talking now. My sister-in-law, Bree, she pointed out, she goes, you know, you use these to point at people all day long. I said, good, don't get close, man. Don't get close. 
So, so um, he talks about how these two things take away our freedom or that liberty. The two ways that we lose freedom are one, we simply slip back into law. We slip back into legalism. And when we do that, we're back under the wrath of God again. And here's why. Because the only way to be 100% in God's eyes if we decide to follow the law is we've got to keep every law 100%, right? And we know that's impossible. That's why Jesus came, because it's impossible to do that. And so we see that if we try to slip back into law or legalism, a, a bunch of rules, don't do this, do this, don't do this, do this, you're just simply imprisoning yourself again into bondage. And this was the whole message that we started off with. There was a group of people called Judaizers. And these Judaizers were Christian Jews. They followed Jesus, but they never gave up the law. So they were coming in behind Paul when Paul was preaching to these Gentiles, people who weren't Jews. And they were saying, if you truly want to be a follower of Jesus, you have to first say yes to Jesus, and then you have to start following Jewish law. And Paul was adamant that all these Gentiles were doing were putting themselves back into bondage when they believed that nonsense. Galatians 1, 6 through 7, he says this, I'm astonished, I'm, I'm flabbergasted, I'm astonished that you are so quickly deserting the one who called you to live in the grace of Christ and are turning to a different gospel, which is really no gospel at all. So what's happening, and we talked about this last week, is that they were trying to add something to Jesus. These Judaizers were trying to add something to Jesus. It was Jesus and blank, whatever your blank is. Jesus and being good. Jesus and praying 30 minutes a day, seven days a week. Jesus and having perfect church attendance. Jesus and whatever your and is. They were simply trying to add an and to Jesus. And anytime we try and add an and to Jesus, we will never measure up. Amen, church. And so they were falling into this trap and they were buying into it. And so Paul is adamant and he's furious that they're buying into this. So here's the tendency, and we talked about this last week, just to recap. The tendency, the reason that we do that is because when we hear the gospel message, we go, there's no way it can be that easy. There's no way. Nothing in life comes easy, right? That's the way that we think. So when you tell me that Jesus just simply comes in and, and the grace of God just some, you know, comes over me, I don't, I don't have to pay for it, I don't, I don't have to work. When you tell me that, I'm going, there's no way. There, there's a catch, right? Because there's always a catch when something comes easy. And so we begin to reason with God. There's a catch to this, God. So here's what I'm going to do. Before the catch comes, I'm going to help you out, all right? What I'm going to do is I'm going to say yes to, do, to you, and then I'm going to add a bunch of religious activity into my life. And then I'm going to be counted worthy, right? And so we tend to do that because we think that that religious activity plus Jesus is going to save us somehow. And so Paul says, look, man, you guys, if you buy into that, that is absolutely ludicrous. And he says, it's salvation alone by faith because of the grace of God. Salvation alone by faith because of the grace of God. And then when the grace of God comes into your life, what will flow from you is good works. Not because you have to, but because you want to and you get to. Amen? And so Paul is fighting for this Christian freedom because to introduce the law back into your life 
puts you back into bondage again. I love the two scenarios David Pawson gives. He says, um, this is true with our laws today, in fact. He says, if I'm stopped by a traffic cop for speeding, going 20 miles over the speed limit, and I say, sir, I stopped at every red light. Sir, I yielded to oncoming traffic every single place. He's going to say, I don't care if you stopped at every red light. I don't care if you yielded to every car. You still were speeding and you broke the law. He goes on and he shares another point. He says three guys are stranded on a rock in the middle of the water and they think that they can jump and make it to the other side. The first guy jumps and he missed by over two feet and he falls in the water and he drowns. The second guy jumps and he misses by one foot and he falls into the water and drowns. The third guy jumps and he misses only by six inches and he falls in the water and he drowns. And he says, you would think that the last guy almost made it. He said, yet all three are in the same place. And he says, it doesn't matter if you've broken one law or you've broken 10 laws. We're all guilty of breaking the law when it comes to how God views the laws. And he said, the problem, though, is is that sometimes what we do is we try to balance out our good and our bad. God, I did these 10 things that were really good for you today, so they overcome the three bad things that I did, right? And so we try to negotiate with God. It's almost like we're playing poker with God. Like, this hand was really good today, even though this hand wasn't so good, right? And God goes, that's not the way that I operate I don't operate by playing games of how much goodness you did to how much badness you did. And so sometimes we operate that way, and so we fall into that trap of legalism. The second one, though, is license, the flesh. We tend to lose freedom when we slip back to the other side, which is bondage as well. This is the bondage uh, to yourself and your own desires. What makes me happy? Look, the grace of God covers me. I can do anything. Scripture says everything is permissible, right? But not everything is beneficial, And so what we do is we try to use the grace of God to fulfill all that I want to do, everything that I want to do, everything in my flesh, whatever makes me happy, I have a license to do. And we forget that on that side there's consequences and we're back under the wrath of God again, amen? And so what we're trying to do is we're trying to balance these things very delicately and the problem that we've done over the years, especially as the church, is this, it's It's the the one that's the most difficult is the legalism. We all know if we're in fleshly sin, right? We know when we're not doing what Scripture says that we're supposed to be doing. But what we do with legalism is it sounds good and it sounds right. And so what we do with legalism is that we go, man, so I'll give you an example. We've talked about this example in here before. We say, like in the flesh, well, God, I know your word says that I shouldn't have sex before marriage. So here's what the church does. The church says, we're not supposed to have sex before marriage because that's what the word says. So dancing leads to sex. Therefore, the church is going to make a law where you can't dance, right? You've guys seen Footloose. It's one of my favorite. I allude to it at least once a month, right? That's really how I broke my leg. No, just kidding. Um, so... So you, you've seen it where all of a sudden you're saying you, you, they've got all of these rules and these regulations in this town. Why? Because they're trying to keep their young people on the straight and narrow. Because biblically what they're saying is true. Look, sex outside of marriage or these things. They're saying, look, biblically those things are, 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 are not what pleases God the most. But we create laws to try to keep people from the flesh or from the license to do what they want. And we simply put them back in bondage again. And so it's just a slippery slope on both sides. And so where you find yourself is in the middle. And that's where we want to be. And that is where the Spirit of the Lord is, there's what? Somebody say freedom. Freedom. Where the Spirit of the Lord is, there's freedom. I love Braveheart down here. Freedom, I heard it. And that comes with sonship or daughtership, that you are a son and daughter of the living God. And that comes by faith 
and it comes by grace. And if you have faith that the grace of God covers you, you have sonship and daughtership, not because of what you did, amen? That's the basis of Galatians, all right? Now, I want to say something real quick here, and that is that we cannot misuse the grace of God, though. We cannot misuse the grace of God. Romans 6, 15 through 16 says this, well, then, since God's grace has set us free from the law, does that mean we can go on sinning? Paul says, of course not. Don't you realize that you became, that you become the slave of whatever you choose to obey? You can be a slave to sin, which leads to death, or you can choose to obey God, which leads to righteous living. So it's not a free-for-all. His grace sets us free to obey his desires, not our desires. This is an issue that we contend with, church. This is an issue that we contend with in Christianity today, that the grace of God covers me to do whatever feels good to me. And it's simply a lie that we have to break down, amen? It's a lie that we have to break down. The grace of God covers me from law, perfection, and flesh so that I can walk in freedom as one of his kids. That's the reality of it. And so we want to finish up Galatians chapter 1 today. If you guys have your Bible, go Galatians 1.10. We're going to talk about people-pleasing and the transformed life. Paul says this in Galatians 1.10. Am I now trying to win the approval of human beings or of God? Or am I trying to please people? If I were still trying to please people, underline this, if I were still trying to please people, I would not be a servant of Christ. Let me just start off with this, church. That's a very direct point that he's making. If you want to try to please people and please God, you're going to fail one of them, and it's going to be God. Amen? If you want to try to please people and please God, you're going to fail one of them. And I can tell you right now from what Paul's telling us right here that you will fail God. You cannot be a servant of Christ. I don't think that I can get too far today. I don't know that we're going to get through everything because every time I read verse 10, it absolutely wrecks me every time I read it, and I'll tell you why. I think this is one verse that keeps us from pursuing the greater things of God. I think this is one verse that tames us. One verse that tames us in our Christianity rather than releases us in the things of God. So what happens right here, what's happening right now is that Paul is being accused by these Judaizers going in after him and telling these Gentile believers these things. Paul is being accused that he is making the gospel message watered down. Paul is being accused that he's making the gospel message easier to handle by eliminating the law. They are saying, look, Paul just wants people to like him. That's why he's telling them they don't have to follow the law. Paul is a people pleaser is what they're saying. And there's a big problem with this church. Because if you look at the life of Paul, he never set out to please anyone. If you read about the life of Paul, everywhere he went... Everywhere he went, he was thrown into prison, he was persecuted, he was beaten, he was bashed down because the only one that he desired to please was the Lord. If you read Acts 14, 1 through 20 sometime, you'll see where Paul is preaching from area to area to area, and it says every area he went into, him and his companions had stones thrown at them. But then there was one place in verse 19 where he got caught. And it says, then some Jews arrived from Antioch and Iconium and won the crowds to their side. They stoned Paul. They drug him out of town thinking he was dead. But as the believers gathered around him, he got up and went back into that town. Let me just tell you something, all right? They, it says that, that they were thinking that he was dead. It's not like the dude had a few scratches on him. Amen, church? 
all right? They had perfected stoning in this culture. This was something they did very often. If you were caught in certain sins, if you had broke certain laws, they stoned you to death. So they were very good at their art of stoning people. And so they must have messed him up pretty badly if scripture says they thought he was dead when they drug him out of the city. Yet something happened in the heart of Paul. He gets up and he goes back into the city where he was just about killed. He preaches the gospel more fervently than before and many more get saved. You see, I've met people pleasers before. Let me tell you how I know that because I can be a people pleaser. And I can tell you this, people pleasers don't get back up and go back in where they weren't wanted. Church, listen to me. Paul was willing to take a beating and even be killed for the things of God. And I know we talk about this a lot in here, but I want you to hear my heart. Too many of us in here care way too much about what people think about us for us to do any good for the kingdom of God. Too many of us in here care way too much about what people think about us for us to do any good thing for the kingdom of God. And I'll tell you how I know that, because the way that we judge our day, if it was a good day or a bad day, we judge our day by our likes on Facebook. We judge our day by the hearts that somebody gives us on that Instagram thingy. And I say thingy because I don't have that, all right? We judge our day by the comments that somebody gives us on any social media outlet that we may be on. We judge our day by how many emails we got. If I get 10 emails, man, somebody thinks highly of me. We judge our day by how many phone calls we get. We care more about people's thoughts about us more so than we care about God's thoughts about us. How did I share Jesus today? How did I live out the kingdom of God today? And this isn't something new. This was, this was all through the Old Testament, all through the New Testament. You have Samson. He cared more about what Delilah thought about him than what God thought about him. He had supernatural strength from God to do anything that God had so desired for him to do and he gave it all up because he cared more about what a woman thought about him. And you've got Moses. He cared more about what the people thought about him than the promised land that lay on the other side of the river that God had promised Moses and his descendants he would have if he would just walk in obedience. But the people swayed him to the place where Moses was never allowed to enter the promised land. And then you've got Saul. Saul was given the kingdom of God. (laughs) Saul was given the lineage at the start. Saul was given the mantle of king over Jerusalem, the mantle of, king, of kingship over the Israelites, and Saul traded it because he worried more about what his army thought about him than what God told him to do. We are all trying to please and impress people, all of us. Even the most hardened person here says, I don't care what anybody thinks about me. There's something in the depths of your heart that says, that's not really true. I care. Your friends, your spouses, your neighbors, your boss, whoever it is. And I'll tell you where I think that this came from. I was reading in Genesis chapter 3, verse 6. And you go back to the garden for just a minute, okay? And they're in the garden, and you see Genesis 3, verse 6. And something plays out that caught my eye when I was reading about Adam and Eve. We know Adam knew the command that God had given. We know this. Adam was given the command, do not eat of this tree of the knowledge of good and evil. He knows this. God gives him this command directly. So up until this point, his whole life, however long he had been living, Adam had avoided of eating of that tree. Everything else he had, but he he did not eat of that tree up until this point. And then we read this in verse 6. The woman was convinced. Satan had been whispering things in her ear. The serpent had been whispering things into her ear. 
And it says, the woman was convinced when she saw the tree was beautiful and the fruit looked delicious and she wanted wisdom that it could give her. So she took some of the fruit and she ate it. And here's where God spoke something to me. Then she gave some to her husband who was with her and he ate it too. And I thought, why in the world would you do that? Why would you eat this man? Did you not trust what God says over what your wife says? Because nowhere in the scripture did it say that the serpent talked to Adam. Nowhere in the scripture did it say that that Satan was whispering into Adam's ear what to eat. It doesn't say that. It says that the woman was eating the fruit and gave that fruit to Adam. And listen to why I believe this is important, church, and why there's tension right here in verse 10 when he says, am I now trying to win the approval of human beings or of God? Because I would contend that in this moment, there was no way that Adam forgot the command of God. There was no way that Adam was like, you know, I know God said something about the tree. I just don't really remember what it was. God had one command in the garden. You have everything. Everything is to your benefit. Everything is for your enjoyment. Everything is for you and Eve to enjoy. There's one thing that I'm telling you not to eat of. One thing that you can't have. One thing that I don't want you going after. So there's no way that Adam goes, I just don't remember what that one thing was. So in this moment, I would contend that it wasn't that he forgot the command of God. In this moment that I would contend was that Adam had a choice whose approval he cared about more, God's approval or Eve's approval. And he chose Eve's. And I believe that it's at that moment what entered into us is that we become people pleasers over God pleasers. Why? Because in that moment, flesh They weren't just living in the spirit, but the flesh came over them, their own desires, their own wants. And just like that, we contend when we're in our flesh, do we want to please people or do we want to live in the spirit and please God? This is why there's tension in this verse because every day we face this. Who do I share the gospel with? Well, maybe they'll think I'm weird if I do that. Why don't I share the testimony of why God or how God has radically rocked my life? Well, they might not talk to me again. Do you see the tension that this plays out in every day? I hear this a lot. Well, I'll share my hope of Jesus if somebody simply asks me about it. Let me tell you something, church. There's nowhere it says to wait for somebody to ask you about your hope first. Amen? We give the hope of Jesus, we breathe the hope of Jesus, we live the hope of Jesus because the hope of Jesus and the light of life lives inside of us. And so everything that we do and everything that we say, we breathe it out in every place that we go. I'm gonna jump ahead real quick into Galatians 2 and I wanna show you and I wanna prove to you how easy it is to slip into this real quickly. Galatians chapter 2 and we'll, we'll go through the rest of these verses here in a little bit. Galatians 2, 11 through 13 says this, But when Peter came to Antioch, so Paul's talking, when Peter, he's talking about the apostle Peter, the rock, Jesus' inner circle Peter, right? But when Peter came to Antioch, look what he says, I had to oppose him to his face. That could not go well, right? For what he did was very wrong. When he first arrived, he ate with Gentile believers who were not circumcised. He ate with Gentile believers who didn't buy into the fact that they needed the law, they just needed Jesus. But afterward, when some friends of James came, Peter wouldn't eat with the Gentiles anymore. He was afraid of criticism from these people who insisted on the necessity of circumcision or the law. As a result, other Jewish believers followed Peter's hypocrisy, and even Barnabas was led astray by their hypocrisy. Listen to this, church, because this is important. Peter was part of Jesus' inner circle. 
he was this guy that was literally part of the, 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 the three that Jesus spent most of his time with. And yet Peter falls into the trap of people pleasing, wanting the approval of man over God, even after he was filled with the Holy Spirit. This is why we have to be careful Because if Peter's falling, even after the Holy Spirit has filled his life, then there's a chance that you and I can fall into that people-pleasing mode as well. So Paul just called out the rock. Peter, the rock. He just called him out. He opposed him to his face. And look, if Paul cared more about the approval of man over God, he wouldn't have done that to Peter, amen? And I can see this moment playing out where Peter looks at Paul and he says, Hey, Paul, did you walk on water? Were you at the transfiguration? Were you at the ascension of Jesus because I was? Did you look into the empty tomb? Like I can see Peter telling Paul, why are you calling me out? But no, Paul calls him out because he said that Peter cared more about what the Jews were thinking about him than what Jesus was thinking about him. Let me speak to your heart for a moment, church, of why I think that's important. There are days that I realize, well, I, I have an easy life. Even on crutches, I'm sitting here going, oh, man, and, you know, you, we can complain about the stupidest things, right? But when I look at my life, I'm like, God, I really do. I, I really have a fairly easy, safe, comfortable life without risk, without boldness at times. I just have a really safe and easy life. And I want you to know something today, church. I'm just confessing this to you. I'm sick and tired of that easy, comfortable life. I'm tired of it. I can so easily shy away from sharing my faith or how God is moving in my life because I worry about other, what other people are going to think about me. I'm sitting in the ortho, orthopedic doctor's office. I'm sitting in this office where, where across from Christy and I, there's this big guy. I'm talking bodybuilder, huge guy, would eat my lunch kind of guy, right? And I'm looking at him, and he's playing on his phone, and and I'm on this side over here with Christy, and there was no communication, and one of the guys, doctors, whoever came out, and they said, "Um, Aaron, you forgot to put down how your injury happened, and then I told him I was jumping over the fence for a foot, no, I didn't tell him that. I said, uh, I did it in softball, and uh, the guy, this big, huge bodybuilder guy, he goes, you too, man? You you hurt yours in softball? And I was like, yeah, and we struck up this conversation, and and unfortunately, his vocabulary consisted of more four-letter words than I knew, right? And so we're talking back and forth, and there was no way that I was like, oh, by the way, I'm a pastor. <laughs> so, but we're talking, and we're engaged in conversation, and, and there, there was a moment as we're engaged in conversation where I felt like the Lord was saying, and what if you just got down, and you just said, man, brother, can I get down and just lay hands and pray over your leg right now? And I'm sitting there, and I'm talking with this guy about stupid things, softball, the gym, you know, whatever, 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 all these things. And we're talking about sports and all these things. And the whole time, I'm feeling God impress on my heart of going, why don't you get down and pray for his leg? This could be big for him. And I'm like, God, this guy's going to beat me up, you know? <laughs> and I'm just having it, like, my heart, I'm just like, God, maybe it's just not the right, you know, I just don't know. That would be so weird. Like, I, you want me to submit, just get down on my knees and just lay hands on this guy? You want me to ask him for that? Is that, like, weird? Is that, I mean, what do you want me to do, God? And I'm sitting here arguing with myself, and then at that time, the lobby starts filling up more and more people. Somebody comes, sits over here and over there. The lobby's filling up, and I said, God, it's just not the right timing. Now it's weird. People are here. God, it was just, I, I don't know that you were saying that. I think it's just, I felt it in my heart, but it wasn't you. It's just, it's just not the right time, right? He would feel really well. Oh, his name just got called, God. He's got to go back, right? 
And literally, I was wrestling with it in my heart. And I want you to know something, church. I didn't miss the opportunity because the time wasn't good. I didn't miss the opportunity because I was worried about, uh, about the time not being good or that God really wasn't speaking to me. I missed the opportunity because I was scared of man's approval over God's approval. I missed the opportunity because I was afraid of what this guy might think of me. And I don't even know who dude was. I missed it because I was afraid of what these people might think of me. And they're East Siders. Amen? <laughs> We're West Siders. We're, throw it up, right? <laughs> and I'm sitting here and I'm worried about the fact that they're going to think differently of me. And I want you to know this. I never want to be in that place again where I worry about it over what God wants me to do. Because even after church today, we're going to rally behind this message and we're going to walk out and there's going to be some of us who are going to start talking about our, our favorite sports team and what the weather's like because it's going to be uncomfortable for us to go too deep in Jesus. And it's going to bring us that much closer to the realization that says, am I now trying to win the approval of human beings or of God? Or am I trying to please people? If I were still trying to please people, I would not be a servant of Christ. And there it is. I fear man more than I fear God. And when you stop and think about the decision you make on a daily basis, most of those decisions that you make are filtered through the fact of what are people going to think of me? How are people going to respond to me in that? More so than what does God think of me? The good news, church, and let me share this with you. The good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ is it removes people pleasing from our nature. It removes people pleasing from our nature and it sets us free in liberty. Proverbs 29, 25 says this, the fear of man will prove to be a snare. The fear of man will prove to be a trap. But whoever trusts in the Lord, whoever's trust in the Lord is kept safe. Real quickly, and here's why. Because Paul talks about having a transformed life. I'm just going to paraphrase this. Galatians 1, 13 through 24. He says, for you have heard of my previous way of life, my former life in Judaism, how intensely I persecuted the church of God and tried to destroy it. And you can read the rest of it on there. I want to capture something in verse 13 for a minute. Paul says, for you have heard of my previous way of life, my former life in Judaism. This is something big because the power of the gospel through Jesus Christ is the power to transform our current life into our former life, amen? The power of the gospel of Jesus Christ is big enough to transform the fact that I used to be a people pleaser, but I'm not any longer. I'm a God pleaser, amen? The, the, the transformed life says that I used to care about what people thought about me. I used to fear man more than I fear God, but that's my former life. Now I care much more about what God thinks about me, amen, church? He says how intensely I, and violently I persecuted the church of God and tried to destroy it. When he says that, he literally tried to destroy Christianity. He's not saying I marched around synagogues and I said you should stop doing what you're doing. He's saying, look, I literally killed people. I murdered people. I oppressed people. I arrested people. I took men and women who were innocent and their only, their only shame or their only guilt or their only sin that I saw in their life was that they were followers of Jesus Christ the way that he saw it in Judaism. He said, I threw them in jail. He says, I was once a bad guy. 
And here's why he's telling us this, because here's what he's doing. He's taking away from you and I the ability to go, God can't love me. God can't save me. I've gone way too far. So so you murdered somebody? No, man, I didn't murder anybody. And Paul says, see, I did. I killed. I killed, and I killed, and I killed, and God made that my former life. And now I have my real life in Jesus Christ. So whatever it is that you think is too big for God, whatever you think is too broken for God, stop that thinking because God can do all things. You have a former life, and if you've still been living in your former life by pleasing people and caring more about what this world thinks than what God thinks about you, it's time to throw that into your former life and start walking in the life that Jesus has called you to. So here's my challenge to you today. If you came in here and you feel like you are a people pleaser, and you feel like your life has just been wrecked because you've cared much more about what people have thought than what God has thought, I want you to hear this. The offer from Jesus is that can be a part of your former life. It may sound like, man, I've grown up in church my whole life, or it may sound like, man, we dabbled in church from time to time, and I realized that my life didn't match up with Jesus, and I realized that I was just simply caring about what people thought more. I cared about having the Christian title more than I actually cared about God, and and I wanted people to see it, and it may be one of those things where then you say, Jesus, Jesus came in, and he saved me, and he gave me a former life. This is where your hope comes from. We just sang about it. Jesus, my living hope. Hope is not found in my perfection. Remember? Hope is not found in my perfection. Hope is not found in my people pleasing. That is a false gospel. Hope is found in Jesus Christ, our living hope. Amen? So I love how Chandler puts it. Matt Chandler says, for me, it's miraculous when someone in witchcraft or someone who was in a deep, deep sin, gang life, for me, it's miraculous when somebody like that comes to the Lord. But it's just as miraculous, if not maybe even more miraculous, when God saves among church folk. So many of them have been inoculated to the things of Jesus just enough to not need him. They can talk the language just enough to not understand who he is. They're way outside the kingdom of God because they've bought into a false gospel. And so I'm going to encourage the praise band to come on up today. And as they do, church, we opened it up for first service. And we saw some people who've dealt with being a people pleaser that came to the altar. And I want to open it up today. This altar today is an altar that's opened up for you to make a decision. Do you care more about what God says or do you care more about what people say? Listen to, I'm gonna confess to you, I'm a people pleaser. I'm confessing to you, I, just two days ago I contended with this. When I know that the Lord was going, you could lay hands on that man. I struggle with this. It does not take away the fact that you love Jesus It does not take away the fact that you've given your life to him. It just is saying that we need to cast this identity of people pleasing and looking for the approval of man over God. We need to throw that approval of of man into our former life so that we can walk in the new life that Jesus has given us. So if you have a nature of being a people pleaser in this place today, self-confessed right here, and you're ready to walk in the approval of God, the altar's open for you to come. Will you guys pray? Father God, thank you for this day today. I'm praying, Heavenly Father, that we stop worrying about what the world says about us. 
that we stop worrying about what people say about us, that we stop worrying about how we're going to uh, uh, be impacted, Father, if we share this or that, or people are gonna think we're weird or whatever it is. And I pray, God, that we simply set our eyes on your kingdom, God. I care about what you say. God, we want your approval over man's approval. And so today, God, would you break that people-pleasing spirit that's within us? And would you give us that spirit that only desires the approval of God. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for listening today. If you want to find out how to get involved, go to reliancecommunity.org.